Oh, oh no. no. I don't, I don't want anything to do with this shit. shit. Got, Got rid of it. <laughs> In this man, it's somebody's son, brother, husband. Somebody's missing this person. It's hard to believe. Oh, yeah, totally. True crime story time. Hi. You survived the first chapter of Albert Fish. You should be proud of yourself. This is true crime story time. And this is the second part, the second chapter. Thanks to Raz for telling this horrific story or case. Uh, thanks for hanging out, coming back and listening. Uh, let's, I guess, enjoy the last part of this. <laughs> We're now going to have a very horrible letter again. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one, Fish wrote this letter to his attorney about this. I brought him to the Riker Avenue dumps. There is a house that stands alone. Not far from where I took him. I took the G-boy there, stripped him naked and tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I had picked up out of the dump. Then I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back 59th Street at 2am and walked home from there. The next day at about 2pm, I took tools, a good heavy cat of nine tails, homemade short handle, cut one of my belts in half Slipped these half in six strips about eight inches long and I whipped his bear behind till the blood ran down his legs. I then cut off his ears, his nose and slit his mouth from ear to ear. I gouged out his eyes. He was dead then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. Oh. I, picked, I picked up four old potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I put his nose, ears, and a few slices of his belly in the grip. Then I cut him through the middle of his body, just below his belly button. Then, through his legs, about two inches below his behind, I put this in my grip with a lot of paper. I cut off the head, feet, arms, hands, and legs below the knee. This I put in sacks, weighed with stones, tied the ends, and threw them into the pools of slimy water. You will see all along the road going to North Beach. Water is only three to four foot deep. They sank at once. I came home with my meat. I had this front of the body that I liked the best. His monkey and peewees and a nice little fat behind to roast in the oven and eat. I made a stew out of his ears, nose and pieces of his face and belly. I put onions, carrots, turnips, celery, salt and pepper. It was good. Then I slit the cheeks of his behind open. Cut off his monkey and peewees and washed them first. I put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and put them in the oven. Then I picked four onions, and when meat had roasted, after about a quarter of an hour, I poured about a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onions. At frequent intervals, I pasted, I basted his behind with a wooden spoon so the meat would be nice and juicy. In about two hours, it was nice and brown and cooked through. I never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet, fat little behind did. I ate every bit of the meat in about four days. His little monkey was as sweet as a nut, but his peewees I could not chew, so I threw them in the toilet. Bro. I'm just sitting here saying, no. it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. It's disturbing. It is. It's completely just a freaking nightmare, bro. Like, this is yeah. something that's... Ugh. That was harsh. Yeah. Well, I'm glad this case is being done because I don't ever want to go over this case again. 
I did warn you. <laughs> I know you did. Gaffney's mother, Elizabeth, visited Fish in the Sing Sing prison, accompanied by Detective King and two other men. She wanted to ask him about her son's death, but Fish refused to speak to her. Fish then began to weep and asked to be left alone. After two hours of asking questions through his lawyer, James Dempsey, the Mrs Gaffney gave up. She was still unconvinced that Fish was actually her son's killer. What? So she doesn't believe that he did it, but, but he wrote that letter. Yeah, like that's very, I don't know, the details and stuff. Like how do you still and not Wasn't know? he identified as the person as being with him on the train? Yeah, but the mother saw him and said, that, no. Okay. I wonder if she I saw think- a frail, older gentleman, well, not gentleman, a frail, older man and thought he couldn't do all that. Right, because he looks like he wouldn't harm a fly. No, you look at a picture of the man and he's just, he looks a normal man. He looks like someone's that. granddad. He just, he, he yeah. yeah. Albert Fish's trial for the murder of Grace Budd began on March 11th, 1935. That was the, the day my was... dad was born. <laughs> no shit. That is the day my dad was born. March 11th, 1935. Yes. Wow. He was born on the day that Albert Fish's trial started. Yes. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, that just threw me for a second. Okay. No, it's fine. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. Frederick Close presided as the judge and Westchester County Chief Assistant District Attorney Albert Gallagher was his prosecuting attorney. Fish's defence counsel was James Dempsey, who was a former prosecutor and one-time mayor of Peekskill, New York. The trial lasted for only 10 days. Fish pleaded insanity and claimed to have heard voices from God telling him to kill the children. Several psychiatrists testified about Fish's sexual fetishes, which included sadism, masochism, flagellation, exhibitionism, voyeurism, peakerism, cannibalism, chorophagia, urophilia, hematoagina, pedophilia, necrophilia, and infibulation. It's a nice list. Yeah. Dempsey so many. In his, yeah, yes. Damn. In his summation, noted that fish was a psychiatric phenomenon and that nowhere in legal or medical records was there another individual who possessed so many sexual abnormalities. Phenomenon or nightmare? Right. One of a kind there. Yeah. Well, so it's so, I mean, so many. It's just so many. The defense's chief expert witness was Frederick Wortham, a psychiatrist with an emphasis on child development, who conducted psychiatric examinations for the New York Criminal Court. During two days of testimony, Wortham explained Fish's obsession with religion, and specifically his preoccupation with the biblical story of Abraham and Isaac. Wortham said that Fish believed that similarly sacrificing a boy would be penance for his own sins and that even if the act itself was wrong, angels would prevent it if God did not approve. You could say that about so many things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fish attempted the sacrifice once before, thwarted when a car drove past. Edward Budd was the next intended victim, but he turned out to be larger than expected, and that is why he eventually settled on Grace. Although he knew Grace was female, it is believed that Fish perceived her as a boy. Wortham then detailed Fish's cannibalism, which in his mind he associated with communion. The last question Dempsey asked Wortham was 15,000 words long, detailed Fish's life and ended with asking 
how the doctor considered his mental condition based on this life. Wortham just simply answered, he is insane. Gallagher cross-examined Wortham on whether Fish knew the difference between right and wrong. He responded that he did know, but that it was a perverted knowledge based on his opinions of sin, atonement and religion, and thus had an insane knowledge. The defence then called two more psychiatrists to support Wortham's findings. The first of four rebuttal witnesses was Minus Gregory, the former manager of the Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital, where Fish was treated during 1930. He testified that Fish was abnormal, but sane. Under cross-examination, Dempsey asked, coprophilia, urophilia and paedophilia indicated a sane or insane person. Gregory would reply that such a person was not mentally sick and that these were common perversions that were socially perfect or right, and that Fish was no different from millions of other people. Some very prominent and successful people who also suffered from the very same perversions. Mm. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Are you expecting yeah. us to know what to say about that? Because I have no... I have... Yeah, yeah I've got no words for that one. Mark the calendar, Elsie is stumped. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I legit can't think of anything to say. Right? <laughs> what the fuck? Perfectly succinct. <laughs> The next witness was resident physician at the tombs, Perry Lichtenstein. Dempsey objected to a doctor with no training in psychiatry testifying on the issue of sanity. But Justice Close overruled on the basis that the jury could decide what way to give a prison doctor. When asked whether Fish's causing himself pain indicated a mental condition, Lichtenstein replied, that is not masochism as he was only punishing himself to get sexual gratification. The next witness, Charles Lambert, testified that coprophilia was a common practice and that religious cannibalism may be psychopathic, but was only a matter of taste and not an evidence of psychosis. Okay, whatever. Okay. Can you imagine yeah, this going yeah. into court today? Yeah, you're, today in the United States, he's a white man. He'd probably get away with it. Yeah, well, I'll get True. Yeah, these witnesses are really, they're, they're, they're stumping me, that's for sure. But coprophilia being a common practice, so eating your own feces is common practice. But it's like there's no mental issues with yeah. that. Like, really? And, and religious cannibalism right. is not, psych it might be psychopathic, but it's only just a matter of taste. Uh, right. So then it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like, you know, whether or not you like creamy or crunchy peanut butter. It's just a matter of taste. Dave, I need liquor. <laughs> God damn it, Raz. Another defense witness was Mary Nicholas, Fish's 17-year-old stepdaughter. She described how Fish taught her and her brothers and sisters several games that involved overtones of masochism and child molestation. Oh, that's... Yeah. None of the jurors doubted that Fish was insane, but ultimately, as one later explained, they felt he should be executed anyway. Yeah. They found, they found him to be sane and guilty, and the, and the judge sentenced the defendant to death by electrocution. Fish arrived at prison in March of 1935 and was executed on January 16th, 1936, in the electric chair at Sing Sing Prison. Reportedly, Fish looked forward to his violent end, 
and shared this sentiment with the guards when they were leading him to his execution that it will be the supreme thrill, the only one I haven't tried. I remember that. He entered the chamber at 11 or 6 p.m. and was pronounced dead three minutes later. He was buried in the Sing Sing Prison Cemetery. Fish is said to have helped the executioner position the electrodes on his body. His last words were reportedly, I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> According to one witness present, it took two jolts before Fish died, thus creating the rumour that the apparatus was short-circuited by the needles that Fish had inserted into his body. That would make sense. Yeah. These rumours were later regarded as untrue, as Fish reportedly died in the same fashion and time frame as others. So it, I think that's one of them. It's It depends which way you want to look urban, at it. Yeah, urban legend. It's it's one of the rare times where, you know, you're almost like, oh, I hope they were tortured, but he would have enjoyed that. So I hope he wasn't. I was yeah. just thinking, like, I really hope that that was a botched execution. But then I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, I hope he just died, just snuffed. Yeah. At a meeting with reporters after the execution, Fish's lawyer, James Dempsey, revealed that he was in the possession of his client's final statement. This final statement amounted to several pages of handwritten notes that Fish apparently penned in, in the hours just prior to his death. When pressed by the assembled journalists to reveal the document's contents, Dempsey refused, stating, I will never show this to anyone. It is the most filthy string of obscenities that I have ever read. So it's never been. Oh, um, so like never, even now it hasn't been out yet. Even now we have no clue. Oh, that's probably so bad. Albert Fish boasted that he had children in every state, putting the figure at around 100. Although it is not clear whether he was talking about molestation or cannibalization, and less still as to whether it was true or not. Uh, if I recall, he would disappear for like weeks and weeks at a time. Yeah, he just. So it could, he could very easily have been hopping trains across the country. You remember, yeah, you have to remember back then to, you know, it wasn't out of the ordinary to leave your children. While oh, you no, not at all. Around the country, sending money home, you know. Not at all. That, especially around the Depression. Yeah, that was that was mm -hmm. common practice. See, I thought I knew the Albert Fish case, but now, thanks to you, I know way too much about the Albert Fish case. Yeah. Well so done, there we guys. go. That is why well, I well want done. pre pre-warn. Yeah, pre pre-warn. That, that is one case that is out of every case I've heard ever since. That still sticks here. Well, you have head. it stuck in our heads too. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. Are you hungry Able. anymore? And now, welcome. You're welcome to our listener. <laughs> so, Brooke, are you hungry? Well done. That I was mean, well done, Mr. Ryan. That was well done. You. Honestly, like, no matter how gross it is, I could still always eat. I mean, <laughs> just who I am. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. <laughs> but the thing that got me was, like, so at the end, like, his statement saying he'll never let it be seen. It reminded me of Ian Brady because Ian Brady's uh, solicitor is still in possession of his final statement and refuses to release it, not even to the police. I, I don't blame him. I destroy it. Something it probably well, has been destroyed. Unless it in has, my opinion, it should be handed to the police. 
In the case of Ian Brady, unless it has information about where that little boy is, then he's not ready. Well, see, that's the thing. These other killers get inspired by that shit because they take inspiration and then they want to prove that they're better than that one. I'm not saying release it to the public, but I'm saying give it to the police. Yeah. But you know what happens when shit gets released to the police? Absolutely. It can then become, I don't know how it is in the UK, but here, like you can... You can file for release of information act. It's a bunch of BS, but yeah, yeah. I, I think it could sometimes, even though I think curiosity is natural about it. I think the damage could definitely outweigh. Th- th- there's no good that's going to come from that. All right. I need to go stress eat now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Call it a palate cleanser. Kind of is the opposite of that. So I'm going to have to think on that one. Okay. I got to go give my kids some medicine. It was good to hear from you guys, even though the story was horrendous. Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Very well done. Good, sir. Very well. All right. Well, um, we will get a hold of each other and see what's going on next week. All right. As of right now, I'm good to go next Monday. So, okay. All All right. right. Bye, guys. Love you. Love you too. Bye.